If you will, open up your Bibles to Galatians, the sixth chapter. I believe this may be the last day I talk about this. And actually, when I started, I thought it would be a one and done thing. It was something that was real strong about the church, about not just the church, because, you know, the church is a building, but the church, you know, that's how man normally defines it. They'll say, oh, if I go there, the walls will fall in. But really... The church building is where the true church gathers together. And the true church is really the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. And everybody who has given their life to the Lord is part of the body. And there are local bodies and then the overall body. That is a huge thought when you read the Bible because uh, Jesus made statements like, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you stay connected to me, you won't wither, but you will experience true life. In other words, there's a flow into a local body and into individuals as they, once they get saved, there is life, eternal life to be experienced now, not just when you die. And so with that being said, in the Bible, God recognizes local individual churches and he deals with them many times independent of the whole body. You with me? And we have proof of that in the Bible when God gave a revelation, a vision to John on the island of Patmos. And uh, Christian tradition says they tried to boil him in oil and he couldn't be boiled. And uh, so they put him on a prison island We know he was on a prison island from the Bible. And uh, there he had a vision from God. And God gave him messages to give to individual churches. And each church he addressed was different. And it's interesting. We read one of them where he said, The time is coming and it's upon you that I am now opening a door to you. And he said, There are people who go to this place and serve. And it was a religious group. But God called them the synagogue of Satan. wonder what God calls different churches. Not, and, and I have to be careful. I'm not like, oh, you know that neighbor one? He calls them the synagogue of Satan. Somebody will go tag it, you know. Don't do that. He may not see it that way. But you know what I mean? Just because we see it that way doesn't mean God sees it that way. You know, side thought, when I first got saved, I knew this guy who was just hardcore bad. And when he got saved, he found out, and he had been in the Catholic Church, that idol worship was bad. So in the middle of the night, he went down to the Catholic Church, and there's a statue of Mary out there, and he proceeded to cut the thing up with a hacksaw. And then he took the arms home with him, and his mom found him. That's a whole other story. Don't do that. In other words, our perception, though it may seem right, be careful. In other words, we're not labeling people different things. You know, oh, that's the synagogue of Satan. But God did. You with me? We'll leave the name calling up to him. The identification, you know what I mean? And I mean, because there were some people there, he said, you know, you think you got it all. And he said, you got the best clothes, you got money. He said, but you're poor and naked. 
But it wasn't because they were physically that way, but spiritually they were. But then there was another group. He said, I'm opening a door to you, and these people, and all of a sudden this is going to happen, and these people are going to come in who were connected to the synagogue, what he called the synagogue of Satan, which was just another religious group. He said, they're going to come, and they're going to bow down and serve there. And that's a pretty wild statement. Because this isn't man doing it. This isn't man making something up. This is God. And so John had this message, and he was commanded to go give it to the messenger. It says angel, which is the word messenger of that church, which would be the pastor. And he conveyed it to the people, I'm sure, because, you know, he was commanded to. And so that being said, I do know that coming here or going other places that are God-ordained, there are messages that are pertinent to you. And when you don't come, now I understand there's people that go on vacation and different things like that, but just don't come and don't come, uh, then you can miss out on a God-ordained thing. Because why didn't God just... uh, say, hey, John, I'm just telling everybody at the church personally what I'm about to do at the church at Laodicea. Why didn't he? Because this is how God works many times. Now, understand this. You can be dealt with by God. God can deal with you. But there are just some things that he has ordained that you get in a certain place. In other words, why would he put a ministry gift like a preacher and put his power on him and deal with them if God didn't want it to be a channel by which you would receive. You with me? And so he will give messages. I wouldn't say every message like this is an everyday message. But the Lord dealt with me about a new day coming on the church with new things happening. Meaning for here. And so here in Galatians 6, the Lord dealt with me about this scripture And probably most people at some time uh, that are a Christian have heard this, even if you haven't been saved long, or you've heard that whatever goes around comes around, you know, whatever you sow, that you reap. That's from this set of scriptures right here. But right here it says in verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. And that has been our key scripture, but it's not been technically that. In other words, it says, don't grow weary while doing good. That means in this situation, before you reap, before you get the payday, so to speak, you're going to have to not grow weary. So that means it's a warning, you know? Don't grow weary. In other words, there is a possibility, so you need to think like this. Don't grow weary. I know if you drive in the mountains, here they have them, and I know in other states, because I've traveled a little, especially the northwest where there's a lot of hills, you'll see these things that'll, in big letters, they'll say, you know, like it's a pull-off if your truck loses its brakes, and it's just a big gravel thing, and it will stop it. And they put these signs up ahead so you can be prepared for what is coming if you get into this situation. Well, I know this. uh, These are situations if you're planting, you can get into. 
In other words, don't grow weary. So that means if you're doing what's right, that's called planting in God's eyes. Many people don't realize the good we do for the Lord, he looks at it like planting. The bad we do, it's planting. And that's why he said, whatever you sow, you reap, don't grow weary while doing good. Because in the verses before, he talked about bad. Well, we don't want that harvest, so we just quit. But here, he said, don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season... And if you're a farmer, there is a due season, right? In other words, a farmer has to endure the summer, doesn't he? To get a harvest, you know, if he plants corn, he's got to endure that weather, and he's got to keep watering, stay with it, and there will come a day where he will eventually reap. If he gets so discouraged along the way and gets tired and thinks, this just doesn't work. His plants could be super tall, but if he's never experienced it before, he could quit right before. So he warns us here, because we know these things are not always first seen. You with me? And so he said, don't grow weary while doing good for in due season, or when the right time comes, we shall reap if we don't lose heart, literally quit in our minds. And he said, if you'll stay with it, there will come a day. So what I'm getting at here is we're looking at the reaping side. In other words, can God be saying we're in a position, in a place, in this day of reaping? And reaping as a whole, but also reaping as individuals. That's an interesting thought. Here's how you should listen when the Word of God is preached. Intently. Prayerfully. You should prep yourself when you come as much as you can. And I know that you could be driving in the car and, you know, it could be going on when you got your family. Then you come in and everybody just looks so spiritual. But it looked like Ringling Brothers, you know, in Barnum and Bailey Circus in your car and you're trying to tame the lions in the back seat. Right? And they feel like it's their job to control the circus that's happening. And now you got to come and hear God's word. God knows those things happen. And I don't think he's freaking out going, great, now I can't even say anything. But we need to at least be trained to know that we need to talk to God and say, hey, God, you deal with me. And it's not just what I hear in my head. It's what goes off way down inside. So you could hear teaching and go, that whole thing was good, super good. That's probably what you'd say. But there would be a part maybe you go, ah, there's something just... There's something, when he kept saying that word, like, you know, we're coming into or we're into a place of reaping and we're in a new day as a church to reap and inside that may go, whoa, yeah, what is that? I know there's a reality there beyond my head. The Bible said his spirit 
would bear witness with your spirit concerning the truth. And so you may be hearing the whole of the truth. You get what I'm saying? In other words, the message can be the whole truth, but there can be things that are just geared toward you or geared toward us, and inside it would go, yeah, that is it. There is something there. And so when he says, don't grow weary while doing good, and I say, hey, you know, I believe the Lord's saying, we're in a time to reap now. We're coming in or in the front of it, and things will change. And there's a new day. We should listen here with these ears, but we should recognize, does that even do anything way down inside of me? Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be in you once you got saved. And he said, out of your innermost being, then, he could flow. And actually, one translation, the King James, it was read so commonly for years, he said, he gave us even a clearer picture, he said, out of your belly. And so there are times like, you can hear a truth and it does something way deep beyond your mind. I don't know about you, but if you're a note taker, I would mark that with X's or a star or a smiley face. Not everything, a smiley, smiley. But I'm talking something that would identify to you that you could go back and read it again later and go, you know what? That was God speaking to me. Because you know why? It'll trigger that inside of you and you go, yeah, I remember that. I remember when the Lord dealt with me. So when we say the Lord speaks to us, one of the major ways he does is he will witness to you or quicken things inside of you. And I believe we are coming in or in the front end some way we're there of reaping. But I do believe this not just as a church but individuals. And so it's interesting he said don't grow weary while doing good for in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. I believe we've come are finishing that endure. Because if all of a sudden harvest comes, do you have to feel like, oh, I got to endure? You're thinking, hey, it's kind of cool. There's benefits to harvesting. There's benefits to reaping your labor. And he said, that day will come, and I believe for us, that the Lord's been dealing with me, that we've come to that place or we're right at the beginning of it. And so turn with me to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I don't think we have to stress to hear God, but I do think we should recognize where he deals with us, that it's down inside, and we can know things beyond our natural mind. And so... I know concerning after this reaping time starts for anybody, there has to be a change of perception, a change of heart, a change of mind. There has to be. And we'll look at some different scriptures. Now, I've looked at this in a different way earlier, but this, in other words, the first one, we talked about this in different ways. We're going to look at it in another way today. How our minds should change. Hebrews eleven six says this, But without faith or confidence in God, it is impossible to please Him. And that faith is really being confident in things not seen. Right? Faith believes 
based on the truth of the Word or something God's given us, that it's a fact before we see it. And so he said, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Notice this phrase. He said, he must believe that he is, and that he is. Right? If you quit reading there, he said, those who come to God must believe that he is, and must believe that he is. Doesn't it say that? Notice, for he who comes to God, he who's going to walk with God, he who's going to serve God, must believe that he is, and must believe that he is. Can you and I believe that he is? Sure. Truth be told, I've never in all my years ever met a real atheist. Oh, I've had numerous people say, oh, I don't believe in God. And then if you just sit down and talk with them, I found, they'll go, yeah, well, I believe there is some supreme something out there, but, so they do believe. Many times, whatever's popular, people go with or what they think, but you just sit them down. Eventually, people, at least in my experience, for the most part, they believe that he is. But here's the thing. We believe that he is. And if you believe that he is, can you believe that he is dot, dot, dot? Do you believe that he is? I believe that he is. Not because I sense him right now, but we could be singing songs and you sense God doing something. But notice this phrase, and this is that mindset. It says, but without faith, confidence in things we don't see, it's impossible to please Him. So in other words, it pleases God that we would believe things before we see Him based on the truth. And act according. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is, or in other words, must believe that He is, a... Hey, what is he? What must we believe? He is a. Now, if you can believe God is, you already believe he's super powerful, right? Almighty. But you must believe that he is a rewarder. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of a rewarder, you know, you think of the FBI's most wanted list, and they, 25,000 if you turn them in. And, you know, an old Western movie, and, you know, they, they got a wanted poster, and you get a reward. The government or the sheriff's office is the rewarder of those who turn them in. You with me? And so you get a reward for doing that activity. But here... He said, you must believe he's a rewarder, but what is he a reward? What do you get a reward for? There, I don't know any other scripture that's just like this where, you know, where he used the word rewarder, you know, for doing this. Now, there are other things you get a reward for, no doubt about it in the Bible. 
And sometimes he calls it a prize. Sometimes he calls it a crown. But there are rewards. But here he said he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, in other words, you can diligently go after God, study your Bible, pray, do the things. But he didn't just say, do that. He didn't just say, do that. He said, believe that it will be rewarded to you for doing that. In other words, don't just study, don't just read, don't just go after it with God. Be diligent to do it, but change your belief just as much as you believe in God. Believe he's a rewarder of this action. And here's what's interesting. Some people feel like, well, you know, I just don't want to bother God. I just don't need that much. I just don't know. And here he said, you need to believe he is a rewarder. And how many people do that? They're, well, I don't need any more. I don't need that. I don't whatever. And this is obviously a command. You need to believe he is a rewarder of such actions. There is a payoff for this, and you are commanded not just to take the actions of diligently seeking and pursuing him. You are to take the mindset of he will cause this to pay off in my life. We need to think, hey, there has to come a day, whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Now, I understand this. There are two sides I think you have to look at. One, there's a lot of things Jesus paid for that are readily available to you right now. There are other things that we sow and then we reap. And those things can take a little bit of time. They can take the effort of a farmer, so to speak. But at the same time, we need to have the mentality, God is a rewarder. For who? Well, am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I this enough? No. Anybody can do this and reap the benefit. And so concerning Galatians 6, we need to get that mindset. God is in the process of rewarding us as a church and the church is made up of individuals, so it's not just here, it's the individuals of the church. So I said, well, I just don't know about that. That's exactly why I just read that verse, so you could get rid of that kind of thinking. Well, I just, I just don't know about that. Yeah, exactly. You with me? So if you were one of the ones that says, oh, I just don't know about that, well, then you're the one we're talking to, the ones that are like, yes. No, we're just reinforcing that. The one who goes, well, I just don't know about that. You're the one God's talking to. Because he said, you got to believe that God is. And we probably all, amen, yes, I believe God is. I believe God is. Oh, he is. He, he is. Is he a rewarder for you? Well, no. This is a command. 
It's not a suggestion. You know, there was an old movie that was a joke, you know. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of the name. And Moses came off the mountain and he had, you know, three tablets instead of two in the movie. And he, he said, behold, I give you the fifth. And he dropped one and broke the Ten Commandments. They were commandments. But then, you know, the thought of they were commandments, not suggestions. To me, that's super empowering because then I can't treat it like it's a suggestion. If I treat it like it's a suggestion, hey, you guys after church, you should try this restaurant. I should tell you that. And then me go to a different one because it would be all crowded over there. No, I'm just kidding. But if I gave you a suggestion, that's not a command. You must go to this restaurant if you want this food and it's the best. You must. That's a command. He said you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. If I believe he's a rewarder, I'm going to have to be expecting something good. If he's a rewarder, and then that means if I just do these things that he said, I can get rewarded here, I can get rewarded here. I would say this. I would believe that as things change here, you know, I'm probably getting ahead of myself as things do, there's going to be much more responsibility on individuals to rise up, but people will get prizes for that. Not me. I'm not going to give you like a paddle that we give with the little rubber band thing and the ball, you know, like a kid gets. And you're like, oh, I got, where'd you get that? I got that church as a prize for serving. I mean, if that's what it takes, we'll give you one. But the fact is, the Bible, Paul talked about the prize pursuing and doing certain things for the prize. And we need to understand that this new mindset brings responsibility, but then more opportunity for reward and prize. And so turn with me to John 16. This mentality of needing a change of mentality. And I think this scripture, now you're going to go, what in the world are you using this one for? John 16, verse 21. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Now, I'm not thinking, okay, who's pregnant in here? No. But there's a huge thought here. A huge thought in itself. A woman, when she is in labor, you know, there's just some things you can't stop. And everybody looks straight ahead. Hopefully nobody knows who this is. I know Pastor Linda does. But one person, when they were pregnant, they went into labor and they said, oh, I don't want to do this right now. Praise the Lord. I, I want to wait. Now, you know, let's wait a day. You don't get to. It's full steam ahead. Right? 
It would seem like such a good idea for nine months. Now one, one day. Yeah. But if you know the context of this right here, really the 14th chapter, the 15th chapter, really 13, 14, 15, and 16, and then into the 17th, but really these four, 13, 14, 15, and 16, is what Jesus said right before he left to help really set up a new pattern of life for these people. And uh, he was talking about the Holy Spirit coming and him departing. And he was talking about a transition time that they were in the middle of. And he used this to paint a picture of this transition time. And isn't it true if we're waiting and we're at the end and we're pushing through the not growing weary, that can be like the anguish of labor. Oh, when's it going to change? But the thought to this is we've been talking about gathering or getting a new mindset. How many of you have ever had a child? You know your mindset has to change immediately. It has to. You planted a seed. Now you've reaped. Ready or not, you got a baby. Never had to change a diaper. What happened immediately? Your responsibility grew for something bigger than you. Immediately. Whether you wanted the mentality or not, you had to take on a new mentality. Well, I'm not getting up at night. Are you getting up at night? No, I'm not getting up either. You have no choice. One of the two of you are getting up at night. Right? Okay, you do tonight, I'll do tomorrow night. Somebody's got to take the responsibility and know that the payday is here, but what kind of mentality changes when you start reaping? Massive responsibility. Is it cool to have kids and have kids around? You, totally. But it's also responsibility. I mean, and notice this other part of the mentality is the sorrow that was there diminishes and disappears the pain, the anguish for joy that a human has come. You could say it like this. When you start reaping, the joy of the harvest does away with the anguish of the past. Isn't it true? You know, have you ever left a company thinking, man, that was so difficult. It was so this way. I'm so glad I'm out from underneath that. Maybe a relationship. And uh, you came over here and you're like, woohoo. And then after a while you start thinking back, what was so bad about that? Uh, you're forgetting. You're forgetting because of distance of time. You know, and how many people think, yeah, having another baby wouldn't be so bad. Then when it starts going down again, they're like, oh, great. This is what? <laughs> this is why. But there really is a mentality change that is forced upon you. And I believe this, in this time of starting to reap, as individuals, there's not maybe the don't grow weary while doing good, you'll reap in due season. It's like, uh-oh, we're reaping. There is real responsibility here. There's a greater payment, a greater sacrifice there really is to reaping because you can't just leave it 
you know, so to speak, on the table. You've got to gather. You've got to work with what's going on. And uh, it would be nice if you reaped and then all of a sudden the baby, you know, if he was born in 21. Uh, how many of you know that? At least up to this time, I have know of no history of that happening. But I do know what does happen. Our mentality changes. Everything changes. Sleeping pattern. I mean, just everything about the whole situation. How am I going to raise them? Am I doing it right? Anybody ever been there? I mean, with the first baby, you're like, whoa, oh, and people are like, oh, can I hold them? You're like, no. Later on, your second, third baby, you're like, here. <laughs> right? But it's because your mentality has totally changed. You're like, oh, you want to watch him? He's only a day old. That's great. Let's go to the movies. You know, first time, oh, he's got to be 15 before we go on our first date. You get what I'm saying? It, your mind changes because of something that occurred. And God wants us to know that there will be some responsibility. And we need to recognize as we watch things change, that's required. It is required. And in all reality, it will pay off too for our lives and for the kingdom of God. Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? And he said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. He said, but I now call you friends, implying I'm going to let you know what's happening. And then he goes on to say, Greater love has no man than this, than he lays down his life for a friend. Isn't it interesting? He said, I no longer call you guys servants. I'm calling you guys friends. Servants don't know what their master is doing, but friends do, implying I'm going to let you know what's going on. So he got done calling him friends, and then he said, greater love has no man than this to lay down a life for his friend. And we've always looked at like, okay, i got to lay down my life for my friends. He just got done calling himself your friend. I'm going to let you know what's going on, and uh, if you're my friend, lay your life down for me. Go read the context. So what's he saying? Hey, I'm letting you guys know as a church here at Christ the Nation's Church, a new day has come upon you and things are changing. I'm your friend. That's why I let you know. If you're my friend and you are, you're going to have to have this mentality. Okay, I'm going to have to lay down my life. You know what that means? That means when the nursery is overflowing, I may be called in there to change someone's diaper. That's laying down your life. And not a teacher's diaper, I mean, because they're like, ah, uh, I mean a kid's diaper. You know, if you're a lady or something and you're like, oh, you know, it's just I'd rather be involved in this. Or working in the children or working as a nursery worker or children's worker or youth or the front door greeting or usher. It matters not. It's the laying down of the life. Seeing the loss, seeing unsaved friends. 
It's the laying down of life, man. You need to come get this. You with me? It's a mentality change that we have to recognize God wants us to adopt. Are you a friend of Jesus? Let's lay down our lives for him because he's letting us know something. 